Texas Chainsaw 3D. I remember I ignored people's, you know, reviews and stuff like that. Even though people were saying how, yeah, no, it's kind of ridiculous, you know. And I knew that it was ridiculous, you know, but I just kept watching it. But what took the cake for me, I remember I just stopped watching it. Eventually, I went back and I, you know, I finished it. But with the girl, um, what's her name? Alexandra Daddario. Yeah. Her. Um, where she's like, do your thing, cuz. <laughs> Hey guys, you're listening to TV Zone Podcast Presents Lovecraft Country. Developed by Misha Green, who also serves as an executive producer. The drama horror Lovecraft Country is about a young African-American war veteran who travels across the 1950s segregated United States in search of his missing father. This series is not only about the survival, both the racist terror of white America, but also the horrific emerging Lovecraft monsters. Today, we're talking about episode eight, Jigabobo. I'm your host, Zena Dixon. Joining me are my two co-hosts, Jay Giles, TV Zone Podcast. Hello. And co-host Jinx, writer at Bloody Disgusting and host of Scream Addicts. Hey, how are you? So on this episode, there is uh, there's a memorial, memorial, oh my God, help me, for Emmett Till, a.k.a. Bobo, a 14-year-old African-American boy who was kidnapped, beaten, shot, tied by the throat to a cotton gin fan bar and with barbed wire and thrown in a river in the summer of 1955. And poor Diana, um, she's dealing with the death of her friend. Um, not only that, but her father died a couple of episodes back and her mother, Hippolyta, she's, she's missing, missing. What's happening? Damn it, I fucked this whole thing up. Oh, Sam, I did. I fucked this whole thing up. Can we just go back, please? Can we just cut? Can we just cut? No, really. Just no, really. Sam, really, Sam, mind. please. God Maybe damn it. he already. All right. All right. Maybe he already. All right. God damn it. All right. All right. All right. Woo! Goddamn outlaw, Rick. Come on now. <clears throat> I got it. I got it. Go back a bit, would you? No, he's right. Not only that, a visitor arrives from Atticus' past, and Atticus and Letty, they take steps to protect their future. So this episode, I feel, is different um, from the other ones. You know, at this point, obviously, we are eight episodes in. So at this point, I think we can just, let's just go and be, you know, spoilers. You know, let's just start with that. And so we could start with you, Jay. What are your thoughts on this episode? Um, I mean, of course, we, every time we get on here to podcast about this, um, I think we all pretty much say the same thing. But each episode is very different. And this episode was very different. Um, I enjoyed a lot of it. And I feel like the, even though I enjoyed it, but I feel like there was a lot to kind of take in with this episode because there was a lot going on um, with all of our characters in this episode um, or whatnot. But overall, I did enjoy it a lot. Okay. And what about you, Jinx? This this episode was... Uh, I just... I, I think you described an episode earlier this season as being a lot. Mm-hmm. And like I, I don't know what measurement comes after a lot, but that's what this episode was. <laughs> yeah, that I feel like it. It moved like a, a bat out of hell. It felt like it was four hours long, but never boring. 
it, it scared the hell out of me. It thrilled me. It made me sad. It made me disgusted. It made me go, what the hell am I watching right now? It might be my favorite episode of the season. When the credits rolled, I felt like I needed a drink and a cigarette, which is weird because I don't even smoke, but I felt like I needed one. <laughs> um, it was, it was, it was, it was something. This this show continually tops itself for yeah. imagery and storytelling and performances, and it, it feels like it. And you know what's crazy is at the last couple of episodes. You know, I, one of my fears about the show was that it was kind of getting into a rut of having like one-off episodes and, you know, maybe spinning its wheels a little bit. This episode to me was the one that was kind of like, oh, okay, now we're going to make up for all of that. And it just hits mm -hmm. us with so much all at once. And uh, I kind of love it for that. I, I, I love that I feel fully caught up now and it feels like it's really propelling us into, uh, you know, what's going to be the finale over the next two episodes. Definitely. And I agree with you. I, I felt that this episode, it was a lot. Um, it was, uh, you know, it opens up with a real life horror, you know, and it, it, it's just, it's devastating. And just the fact where it's like, you could, you could, you could like feel the heat that day. You know what I mean? You know, as people, they were waiting outside to pay respects, um, to this. And, and just the fact that, you know, Diana, you know, D, she's been through so much for her age and, you know, I, I kind of felt that the characters um, like Atticus, Letty, I know Montrose, he was trying, you know, um, even Rudy, Rudy, Ruby. <laughs> okay, I'll get into that later. Um, there's a reason why I, I call her that. But yeah, um, okay, I'm laughing alone. All right, yeah. So there's a reason, you know, as to why I'm kind of like feeling a certain way about, you know, those characters. I don't really feel like they kept that they've been keeping a good eye on um, D, especially with everything that's going on. And once again, you, they are lying to her with, with reason, which is understandable, you know, but then just the fact that a very good friend of hers, you know, he was, he was murdered. And not only that, but this is, you know, this is all over America that that's happening where um, obviously it was, it affected so many people back then. It still affects people to this day. And, um, yeah, I, I believe that it's been like, what, like a week since Hippolyta's been gone? Uh, yeah, something like that. I think they did mention in a scene like, yeah, she's been gone for a week. Right. But, yeah, um, I do feel just to, you know, end this off before I actually something else. Um, the performance, the actress who plays uh, D, I believe her name is Jada Harris, um, Obviously, she's always been a great actress throughout the show, but I feel like we were able to see we've we've seen like a different side of this character. Usually when she comes on screen, you know, she's bright and bubbly and, you know, um, pretty much like she's she's a combination of her mother and her father. So the fact that, you know, we are seeing her in a different light, um, she's angry because she's grieving and. You know, I, I kind of felt like this episode, um, again, I feel like it, it's about loss and grief and there's terror, there's hatred, um, but then also by the end of it, there's a little hope. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that, too. I, I It's, I mean, you know, it's weird that even for some of the crazier stuff that happens throughout the course of this episode, that they do set that sort of tone right from that opening scene, like you mentioned. 
And I think it does. It, it informs every moment that comes after because we never forget. You know, it feels like it's hanging over all of the events in this episode, you know, that that death. And it's really it, did it surprise either of you that they actually dealt with Emmett Till in kind of, you know, such a head on sort of way? Because, you know, I he made that appearance, obviously, like early on in the season. And then uh, last episode, you know, the uh, the the woman on the motorcycle, I didn't realize at the time, but is, uh, you know, I was doing a bit of reading and. Uh, she was a real person. She was a real figure. Yes. And so, you know, it, it, it to me, like it kind of surprised. I, I thought that was sort of the show's, you know, one of its motifs, you know, sort of nodding to real world figures. But it kind of surprised me that they dealt with Emmett Till in such a and the tragedy of Emmett Till in such a straightforward fashion. I, I, I wasn't expecting that. But I think what that did to the story and the characters and how they handled it was really brilliant and really, really genuinely affecting, like not just in that opening scene, but also some of the conversations that are had, you know, I mean, there's <laughs> talking about the, the, the performance of the, uh, the actor who plays D like uh, she has a moment in it that like completely connected with me. I don't know if we'll talk about like what our favorite scenes of the episodes of the episodes will be like later on, but, um, you know, there was that, and then also the the conversation between um, uh, Christina and Ruby, I thought was really mm. sort of incredible, and how that stemmed also going back, you know, to the to the very first scene. So yeah, I I the more I think about this episode, honestly, the more I love it, and the more that I think I I might be certain that it it is my favorite so far this season. I know I sound like a broken record because <laughs> you know it feels like every episode is my favorite episode of the season. I'd be very curious to go back and watch everything in order again, but. As it stands right now, I think this this episode is just just a gem. No doubt. Um, and speaking of Jada Harris, who is the she, I mean, it, I don't know if I've ever watched a TV series um, that features a lot of characters. And for the most part, they are background characters. But at different points in time, they get their moment to shine in the forefront. And I don't know of any other show that really does it this way. Um, I mean, of course, we kind of look back and forth about Twin Peaks and stuff like that, which has a ton of freaking characters in it or whatnot. But it's it just amazing how they can have like characters, you know, in the background, you know, because we've seen her, you know, a lot this season, you know, but she's always kind of been secondary um for the most part but here is her moment to shine and just how they frame her a lot in this episode it's very you know close up so you get to see all of the emotion and what she's going through the feelings that she's going through in each one of those scenes and i wonder if that was done on purpose for us to kind of we as a viewer to feel what she's going through as she you know has to deal with everything she deals with in this episode like I said, I wonder if they if that was done on purpose, because I don't know if you guys caught that. Like, pretty much all of her scenes, like the camera is like really zoomed in on her face. So when <laughs> she when there's terror and she's going through that terror moment, it's like you're feeling that when she's, you know, angry. Like at the beginning, she's just confused and don't know how to feel because one of her best friends, you know, has been killed in the way he's been killed. You know, you just kind of feel that and. She really conveys a lot of, you know, the emotions of what 
I would assume a lot of people were going through at the time and probably what a lot of people have been going through this year with a lot of things that have happened, you know, in similar, you know, fashion or thing. And it was kind of it was kind of touching too to see like the parallel of a real world event from back in the fifties and how it also connects to twenty twenty. Um and right. so yeah, this this episode it really it did a lot. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't like uh, you know our uh, one off a few weeks ago where, as you said, Zena, that you know it was you know very heavy or whatnot. But mm-hmm. even though this was a emotional roller coaster episode, but yeah, it's it's a it was a very good episode, right? And um. Just a question for you both. So, um, you know, when Dee decided that she wanted to escape the crowd, you know, um, instead of waiting in line to see her friend, um, she decides to kind of be alone so she could, you know, just deal with her feelings. And um, she gets interrogated by Captain Lancaster, which he's just terrible and smelly. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? It, it, okay, so I was a little disappointed with in regards to what happens with him later in the episode. We'll talk about that. But I mean, he he's the worst. Um, I mean, I don't know who was worse, him or the other sheriff, um, you know, that got bit by the shocker, you know, in the woods or that. I don't know which right. one of them was worse. Um, but well, I want to maybe Lancaster's worse just because of the fact that he's basically Frankenstein's monster. Um, so <laughs> that that makes it worse. But that whole sequence, what the hell's going on? <laughs> you know, at first, like, what's what is he doing? But he, but I feel like we kind of got cheated a little bit in regards to what happens with him later on. Yeah, so I, I wonder if, I mean, do you feel as though that's the last time we're going to see him? Because he's he's different. So, like, I I wonder if there's a chance that, you know, he, uh, you know, he might pull himself together a bit. Um, <laughs> get a hold of yourself, man. Like, get a hold of yourself a little over there, maybe a little over there. Trying to pull yourself together. Um, no, I, I, I despise that character. It's like I, it's kind of a brilliant stroke to say like Frankenstein's monster, but racist cop. You know, yeah. like that's that's a that's a that's a big ball of terrible uh, right there. And he, but he's a fascinating character. And I'm curious, like, you know, we only have two episodes left of the season. I wonder if they're going to sort of touch on what exactly his origin is because I feel like he's one of the more fascinating villains that we've had. In this show, and yet he also has possibly the least amount of screen time of any supporting character up until this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely, I, I feel like we're going to see him again. Um, clearly, he's super frustrated, and he's just basically trying to find, you know, that machine, Hiram's, Hiram's machine. Um, I'm sorry, I can't talk today. Things are happening. Um, but I'm curious about... The hex. What do you guys think about the hex that he put on D? Where basically um, these two characters from a book um, that's invisible. These characters are invisible to everyone else. Um, 
but D can see them. And they're from, they're like a direct reference from Uncle Tom's Cabin. You know, this book, uh, it was like a bestseller back in 1852. Uh, but then later on, it was criticized um, for, you know, popularizing, popularizing, you know, numerous racist stereotypes. So, so yeah, what, what, are, what are your thoughts? I, uh, I, those characters are absolutely just nightmarish to me, mm -hmm. uh, and how, like, you know, and it, it's twofold, like, because, you know, you have the sort of twin silhouettes initially, you know, and then, uh, like, once we start seeing details, as D does, and then they start actually following, and then chasing, and then attacking, and constantly terrorizing, it's, her performance, like, is so great, and totally sells the terror, as much as, like, you know, all of the effects and the makeup and whatnot that goes into actually uh, to crafting those characters. And I, it, it, for a show that's had so many different types of threats and villains and monsters, they might be the creepiest. Like, and they, they feel in a weird way the most, uh, the most Jordan Peele in a weird way to me. There's something very us-like in their presentation, like, I, I, I don't know how to describe it, but, like, the first time that you see the, uh, the family and us, um, you know, there is, uh, you know, we have our heroes in the house, and then we have the doppelgangers at the edge of the drive, and there's something about, like, just them being a little off, and not quite the other family, you know, there's something unsettling about that, and it's the same thing with these characters, you know, and what are their names? I thought I had read um, what those characters' names Topsy. were. Topsy, Bopsy, or was it Eva? No, yeah, Topsy and Bopsy, I think. Okay, that's terrifying, too. Like, that's, you know, because that's, like, <laughs> kind of, like, innocuous in a way, but they're, you know, they're absolutely terrifying. But the first time that you see them, it, it's kind of the same effect, where it's like, oh, are those just two, like, little girls? Or And then when the reveal hits, it's like, oh, okay, you need to run. That's terrifying. When they first uh, showed them on the screen, I was losing because I remember seeing like some screenshots and we 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 were able to see like one of the little girls in, in the darkness. And I was like, oh, I wonder what that is. The way they were moving and, and dancing. And it was just it is it's so terrifying. And what I think is really cool is that um, the actresses who play those two, they're not little girls. They're adult women and they're actually dancers. So, um, yeah, it, it's, it's just very awesome. Yeah. Like the designs. They, I mean, I feel like they, they reminded me a lot of something that used to terrify me as a child. Um, <laughs> and I'm talking about Tim Curry as uh, Pennywise. Mm. Right. I, I remember watching that, you know, as a, as a, five-year-old alone and I was fine then all of a sudden it's like when, when it gets into your mind and your imagination takes over it, it does stuff to you and I felt like that's what was going on with Diane it's like she sees you know their image on the book and everything and then once it gets into her mind and whatever that hex curse that uh, Lancaster puts on her it runs wild in her mind and we get you know, which her um, vision of them and how they move and how they basically stalk her the whole time. 
and I mean, of course, those fingernails and everything, and the dance, and just them, you know, just literally just following her all over the place. It's like, like, don't y'all have something else to do? Why are you following me? You know, time to go follow somebody else. You know, type of thing. But they they did a great job just from how creepy they were, um, the movement, and just from you know the makeup. Yeah, I don't think we've ever really seen anything like that on TV. Um, <laughs> and yeah, it was it is very us like, but I would even go a little further. I feel like they kind of, what I want to say, not improved, but just kind of tweaked it a bit for this show in regards to the whole, you know, doppelganger family type aspect with us, uh, what they did with these basically. Demon images or whatnot. Yeah, it was great. I, I was also getting it follows vibes because yeah, no else, yeah. yeah, no one else could see these demons. Yeah, like when she bumped into the guy, you know, at the um, at the train station, he's like, you see, he's like, huh? See what? <laughs> you know, type of thing. Yeah. Like, and then that's what, what a jerk that guy was. You know, I know. I mean, he's standing there. You know, I'm, I'm not defending him, but I'm just saying he. He's standing there reading his newspaper. And then all of a sudden, this girl comes over. Do you see that? I'm like, huh? What are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> you know, what is wrong? Really, she's all sweaty and stuff. So she looks like she's going through some stuff, you know? Yeah, she definitely. I mean, father's been killed. You know, her mom is missing. You know, maybe she's in the <laughs> upside down somewhere. I don't know. But, um, yeah, so she, she's having a real rough go with it. Yeah. So what do you guys think about, um, once again, this is, we always have to talk about these two, Atticus and Letty. Um, Atticus knows that Letty is pregnant. And, you know, Atticus also um, has a visitor. Mm. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, that, um, did that strike anybody else as maybe the one sort of like, bit of letdown about this episode like we we've been talking about the possibility of Gia coming to the United States for a couple of episodes now and then it happens and it's almost like it's very anticlimactic you know like I, I doubt that that's the last time that we see Gia in this show but at the same time it's like it, it, it I wanted more out of that moment and out of that confrontation you know and instead it's just kind of like uh yeah, I even though the dialogue is directly confronting the fact that she is a succubus or a Kamiho and you know, nine tailed fox demon and all this stuff happened, you know, the dialogue is dealing with all of that, but the way the performances are pitched, it really is. It's just kind of like, well, here's the old girlfriend, here's the new girlfriend. Isn't this awkward? You know, it just it felt like I, I wanted more out of that confrontation and. And we might still get it, but as it was, it, it didn't. It's the only thing that kind of rang a little false for me in this episode. Yeah, mm. uh, no, I, I definitely, it, especially with how she was built up in her own standalone episode, and we know that there's that connection between two because of the fact of that's what he's been calling, you know, every so often on the telephone. And when they finally, you know, Betty and Gia meet. You know, it's like, oh, okay, we're going to get some type of, you know, big, true confrontation here. And it's, yeah, I mean, it's almost like 
an afterthought, really, because there's so much going on in this episode that you literally forget that she was even there. And she plays an important role in the grand scheme of things when it, you know, pertains to Atticus anyway. So it's like, why introduce her in this episode in America when you got all this stuff going on and then uh, she's gone, you know, type of thing. We never see her again at all in this episode. So it's like, what's even the real point of having her in this episode? I mean, they could have just waited until things kind of focused back on them because even though they were a focus in this episode, but I feel like the bulk of the episode really was about Diana and what was going on? Mm-hmm. I I kind of thought that they decided to have her um, in this episode because obviously we we know that this is not going to be the last time that we're that we're going to see her. Um, but I thought it was kind of a way of Atticus choosing um, Letty because he now knows that she's pregnant. Not saying that he didn't choose her before, but there is a scene which we're I know we can talk about this next when Rudy is having a conversation. I, I swear I did not call her Rudy on purpose, but let me just tell you. The reason why I'm calling Ruby Rudy is because she's rude. Okay? She's rude. All she cares about is herself. Oh, I thought you were going to say all she cares about is something else. She cares about that too. But when <laughs> it, you know? But um, instead of being, I understand what, what she's getting, what Letty, you know, got herself into, but it's like, okay. But she actually loves Atticus, okay? Um, you're only with this person because you can, you want to get something. Ruby does, you know, from this person. And she really does think that Christina cares about her. She doesn't care about you. But anyway, um, going back to what I was saying, I don't know. Yeah, now, after this episode. You know, like I, I agree and I understand that, but it's just kind of like we all know that things aren't always what they seem. And just the fact that she even said it herself, she said a quote, I, I don't remember exactly what Christina said, but she was talking to Atticus about magic and how it's kind of like a lifestyle, right? You have to have um what's the word? Um dang it. Now I have to look it up. But that might too that might take too long. But you pretty much it's it's kind of like she said something along the lines that it's kind of like a lifestyle, and that you know she's been doing this for a very very long time. And I understand what she did, how she when she was looking at um Ruby and she told her that you know no she doesn't feel anything for Emmett too, so she decided to experience that for herself. Um, but I'm wondering too. I don't feel like she did that just so she can experience it. I think that there's some other back end reason as to why. At least I do. I understand you guys don't. Okay. I know that we can't see each other, but I just have a feeling that Jay <laughs> is pointing his finger like, no, you know? I'm, don't. I, mean, we, I, uh, I have my arms crossed and I look slightly disapproving. So that's that's not, I knew it. I knew it. I was going to get you that. <laughs> But the reason why I was saying with Atticus, I think um, he kind of is, is choosing Letty over over Gia, I felt. And especially because, you know, um, Letty's pregnant. And then with the conversation, um, that's what I was going to say, with the conversation that Letty was having with her sister, Ruby, and, you know, before she said that comment and everything, we see her, you know, developing her photos 
And mo most of the pictures you see that it's of Atticus. She's so in love with him, you know? And then even when she thought that he was going to get, you know, shot by the officer, she ran outside screaming, you know? And it's just like, okay, that's pure love right there. Because she loves him and, and it's understandable. But it's just, I don't feel like it's going to be the last time that we're going to see Gia. And they kind of even hinted, you know, for the previews uh, for next week, which we'll probably learn more about that. But going back to even when Atticus was sitting outside with, with Montrose and he had the book Lovecraft and it says George Freeman. We assumed that, okay, at least I did. I assumed that it was Uncle George, but it's not. It's Atticus and Letty's son. So I kind of feel like they're answering questions for us ahead of the, ahead of it. You know what I mean? Ahead of certain episodes. Well, there's only two, but ahead of the two episodes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and plus, I mean, how great was it that they named their, uh, their son George? It's yeah. beautiful. But I still want him back. We we have time traveling to show. You can't tell me we don't get Uncle George back. I'm just throwing that out. He's with him the line of wherever they are in the upside down. They're together. <laughs> where they are. Well, speaking of that, real quick, um, Zay don't know if you're gonna mention it, but how did the car get to Letty's house? I thought that was Atticus. Atticus yeah, drove the car back. He, I assume that he sort of like um, when he, left when he, it, like okay, it. okay, yeah, okay. I didn't think, it, yeah, because I was like, okay, doesn't it kind of feel like even though Hippolyta is not there, it does feel like she's there in some type of way. Yes. And just like maybe she's trying to find her way, you know, back through to this plane of existence. But why would, okay, this is the thing about it. Because we don't actually see, you know, we mentioned it in that last episode, but why didn't we get to see where Tick went? I mean, yeah, he when he had the conversation with Montrose, he says, you know, future. But we don't get to see it. And it just makes you wonder, like, why didn't we get to see it? Maybe we will in one of these last two episodes. I don't know. Yeah, I hope they devote a little bit of time to it because otherwise it's just kind of like, uh, yeah, why why even mention that our lead character had an adventure and then not show us? Yeah, it's, it's like, it, it was almost like, okay, he, yeah, he's the lead character, but yeah, we're going to show the side characters, her journey, which it was a great, fantastic journey as it was, but we're going to show her journey, but we're not going to show what, what the lead character experienced at all. Okay, and so let's get into um, what happens between Christina and Ruby. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts, Jinx? Well, it's funny because I was going to ask what did happen between Christina and Ruby? What I that was uh, that was like it, there was a little Cronenberg in there. I mean, that was uh, there. I that it was it was disturbing, um, but also like weirdly sweet. It was I. 
Yeah, it was it was it was it was just downright confusing, is what it was. Uh, but at the same time, like in more so than any other episode, I think what happened in this one to me, like I'm I'm starting to come around on the idea that I I don't I <laughs> and it's weird, you know, we were discussing this last episode, but now after this last episode, this particular episode, I'm now in this weird spot where I trust Christina less. Hmm. But I believe that she genuinely loves Ruby more. Like, if that makes sense. Um, I yeah, but I, I I do think there is genuine affection there, and I do think like to me the way it played, and I I'd be happy to be proven wrong, but to me their argument, which I thought was fantastic, like the uh, you know what was under discussion there, and like it's it sort of like broader implications, but. The fact that she was willing to go through what she does at the very end of the episode, to me, I it doesn't make sense to me if that's not born out of affection and wanting to be empathetic where there is no empathy naturally occurring there, you know? I, I, I can't imagine what would motivate that if it weren't for her sort of burgeoning love for, for Ruby. I don't, I don't know. I might be wrong, but... You know what? Because... When they were having that conversation, everybody, and the way the camera was, you know, sitting on them, I was like, are they going to kiss? Because that's what it, it, it kind of felt like that's what they were going to do. Because Ruby clearly, you know, is in this emotional state, you know, because of what happened with Emmett Till and just how she's feeling. And she's, it's, it's the two of them not as Hillary and William, but it's the two of them as them as they truly are. And, you know, she's basically, you know, expressing her feelings, her emotions, how everything is feeling. And it, it felt like a genuine moment between a couple, in a way. And it just it was it, it's interesting. And yeah, it, it does seem like like Christina does have more feelings, and it, it it can be. I so like with that, I have to disagree with Zena as far as I do believe that Christine does have feelings for Ruby, and that there is more than just I'm just using her type of thing. I think there is they they do have a connection, maybe because they both have kind of outsider ish, you know. From both sides of, you know, from Christina with her family, Ruby with her own life, pretty much. She's kind of looked at as an outsider. I think they have a bond there. So it's kind of growing from a place of hurt between the two of them and everything. So I do feel like, yes, there is like genuine, you know, attraction between the two. Even when, when Christina is William, it feels like, you know, there's a lot more going on than just oh I'm just using her. But I I'm like I could be wrong. This is Lovecraft, so we proven wrong, you know, in the next episode or something. I mean, I I agree with you where I, I do feel like Ruby and Christina, they're similar. They want what they want and they're not afraid to go after it. Um clearly we I feel like we've seen that many, many times um throughout this series. And what, what I think about Christina's ambition 
it just tells me otherwise. So, you know, not saying that I'm that I'm right. Obviously, I could be wrong. But just because what we've seen from her, I just never trusted her from the start. And, you know, things aren't always black and white. And so for the previews that were, you know, for next week, we see Ruby saying, no, um, Christina will save Dee. She'll save her for me. And, you know, the fact that Ruby's getting so comfortable with her, um, I, I just feel like it's a little bit naive of her to believe certain things. Not saying that she's she's not going to save Dee. I, I hope that she does, you know. Um, not saying that there's not an attraction between the two. There's there's clearly that. But it's just kind of, you know, we, we've seen this before throughout the series. Um, and we've learned um, throughout the series about Christina, about her drive. And honestly, she's kind of like a threat, um, you know, to Atticus, to Letty, to Ruby, the power. I'm just wondering, would she, will she still care if she receives all the powers and, you know, what she wants, you know? Would she feel, or, you know, would she still care about Ruby? Because I think that she won't. Like, I, I just think that it'll just be like a, you know, a check note. So I, I wonder if, yeah, because I mean, it seems like there, especially with the revelation as to what happens in the book and, you know, the, the fate that we think is sort of a waiting tick, you know, there, there is the feeling that Christina is, is going to be the big villain of the season. But I, there's something about the show though, that I, because they sort of painted her in that way from the very beginning, it makes me think, that the you know that it won't be that simple you know that they're going to pull the rug out from under us at the very end in regards to that character might be wrong about that but i i wonder like more so than just for the the relationship there i wonder if the scene near the end the the sort of the awful reenactment you know on the dock i i wonder if her reaction to that isn't going to serve to make her a bit more human and a bit more empathetic because I mean, when she comes out of the water, she's no longer hurt, hmm. you know, I, I, she's, she's not immortal yet, but she is invulnerable. But when she pulls herself up and out of the water, she's like screaming and crying because now she knows what it feels like, you know? And I, I would hope that that makes her grow a little bit, but, but I don't know. And it's like, you know, I don't I don't know if she's a a villain, you know, because it seemed like, you know, she could have attacked them at any time. Um, I just I don't think that she's a villain. I just think that she's selfish and she just wants what she wants. So it's just like I'm just wondering, like, what will really happen, you know, if she does get what she wants? What's the new goal? You know, because even when we think about that for ourselves, like we, we set out goals or a lot of us have, you know, we have goals and stuff. So say if you complete your goal, what now? So I'm just. But if she have have they not set up the idea like, and maybe I read that wrong, but you know when uh, when Tick sort of confronts her by uh, mentioning the um, oh the oh my god it slipped my mind the autumnal um, uh, uh, yep it's gone uh, the equinox okay. Mm-hmm she stops dead in her tracks like, Oh, he must know something he shouldn't. And of course we find out later in the episode that that's all due to him reading his son's novel. Mm -hmm. Um, 
did that not I'm is the one who's going to sacrifice tick right it's i think that kind of like what you said i feel like that's what they're building it up to be but i don't think so you know also keep in mind we we also still have lancaster i know he just lost his arm and stuff but i i feel like we know that he's going to come back i feel like he'll be safer with christina than he'll be safer with lancaster because I feel like she needs him. By the way, I, I do feel, though, that we have uh, one more hint as to some, uh, you know, wibbly-wobbly Doctor Who timey-wimey stuff that will happen by the end of the season in regards to... Okay, so we obviously have, like, uh, George and Montrose and the, uh, the, the guy, you know, I got you, kid. Like, that's got to get paid off at some point. And now I'm thinking, like, okay, who is the woman in the hood with the bionic arm? Like, who's that going to wind up being? Yeah. I, I was thinking, well, I'm wondering what year he went to, but I'm also wondering, do you guys think that that could be D? Maybe D, maybe Hippolyta. Yeah. Well, bionic arm, D, her arm is kind of mangled right now, so it could be. Yeah. Well, okay. Uh, let's just talk about that final scene um, at Let. At, I was going to say Laddie at Letty's house. Um, it was a very explosive uh, finale. Um, yeah. Um, I mean Lancaster, you know, because he wants what he feels is his, which I don't know. I don't. I didn't see his name on it, so how could it be his? Whatever. But um, but yeah, he, you know, him and his cop friends, they show up and I thought it's interesting that there's a like a curse, well, not curse, but more like a protection on the house where he cannot enter the house, but the other cops can. Um but whatnot, and because he can't enter the house, he decides, oh well, we're just gonna fill it full of holes and from the outside and everything and then of course we get our whole uh, matrix moment when letty sits up and you know the bullets start going like real slow past her and i'm like okay well she's supposed to be the one um or whatnot but it makes me wonder is, <laughs> is, is the it makes me wonder is the baby doing this for her because she was not doing anything like this before she was pregnant you know she wasn't having it was to, the was the invulnerability spell that Christina gave her? Do you think that acts as kind of like a cloaking shield, or yeah, that's that's what I thought that it was. But is it is it on her or is it on the baby? And she just happens to be, you know, carrying the baby, so it's on her. But so it is. It's so kind of... so one of them is Neo. We don't know which one, but uh... the baby is. Baby is the <laughs> baby. Uh, fetus George is the one. <laughs> Yes, but but I mean that that whole sequence was crazy. Just with them shooting up the house and whatnot, and then you get freaking Atticus. I guess you know I don't know. Did he forget his training from the Korean War? You don't go running towards gunfire with you don't have any type of you know protection or whatnot. But he runs up there, and of course the cops they turn on to him and the whole thing. Put your hands up. And, He's standing there, and right when the cop fires, 
we get a great call back to the first episode. Good old Shaga shows up, and this thing goes completely bonkers, just like in the first episode. And you know, the cops get what they uh, deserve in, in that moment. I enjoy. And what is maybe one of the most purely fun sequences the show has had up until this point, like that action sequence is just, just, it's a blast. There's one moment where I think uh, Tick and Letty make it back up onto the lawn and the camera is focused on them. But in the background, you just see this one cop like, like fly overhead. Oh, what about when they're hiding behind the car and then one cop, he gets basically ripped the pieces right in front of him so you get blood just splatters all over and it's like oh yeah like that evil dead <laughs> yes guys spray of blood yes Loved it. oh that, but it was it was it was great so overall um i know that i never really asked you guys this and this is probably hard you know kind of like what uh jinx said earlier um just kind of like, what's your overall thoughts on this episode? And do you have a favorite episode so far? Um, I mean, once again, my overall thoughts is, I, I feel like we, we were given a lot in this episode. Like I said, everything that was going on with Diet, we got more about Lancaster in this episode. Uh, Christina, whether or not she is good or evil, that's still up for debate. Ruby still kind of, I want to say, used with who she is to some degree, um, or whatnot. Uh, well, we didn't really talk about Montrose and, and the fact that I think he, he does still have a few secrets from Tick that he's not saying. Especially yes. with, the, with the whole spell thing and how he kind of looked like when Atticus said, "What else are you hiding from me?" He just kind of gives this cheapest look, like, "Ah, oh, let's just let's just do this," you know, type of thing. Like, oh, don't worry about me right now, you know, type of thing. So, overall, I think we we were given a lot of information in this episode. Um, there's some great sequences, like say you got the horror stuff with uh, D, Saga making a return, and you know, killing the cops. That was Great. So Shagas don't like cops either, apparently, because killed the cops <laughs> in the first episode and you know killed him in this one. But uh, real quick in regards to that too. So did Atticus bring the Shagas? You know, kind of goes back to the first episode, like what I like. Okay, is is Atticus kind of in some way manifesting some of this stuff in his own mind as well? I. I think it is kind of a weird function of his the sort of protection spell um, that he casts for himself. But I, I, I don't know because I yeah, they still haven't really explained what went on in that first episode. So mm-hmm. I'm curious to, to see where, you know, the monster came from. Was it Atticus, um, Montrose, Uncle George, Christina? Wait, you know what? I think you just, huh? What? Share with the class, Jay. Come on. No, Come on. I'm, no, you, because you just said like, okay, what if? 
Because, okay, this Shagas looked a little different than the ones we saw in the first episode. And we do know, because when the, when the sheriff was bitten, and they came up with that whole theory about, like, vampires, and he turned into one. So what if Montrose is a freak Shagas? Oh. Because the first time we see Montrose, what is he doing? Swelling up out of the ground. So, mm -hmm. huh. Oh, no. If, if that's the case, I, I hope everybody in the cast gives him hell <laughs> for not springing that superpower <laughs> like many, many other times this season. <laughs> it's like, can you imagine how angry Tick would beat him again? Probably. Being like, why? Why? Why didn't you? Why didn't you uh, Hulk out? Why didn't you uh, Shoggoth out? Like when uh, you know when Uncle George was bleeding out. You know we needed to get out of the house. Why didn't you turn into a Shoggoth when you know? Any, any number of times up until that point. And and, and the reason why I even thought of that really after Zeta said you know Montrose I just Shoggoth or whatnot. But it, okay. We pretty much getting a lot of this us like we getting Frankenstein's monster, right? So, what if that's his Wolfman? So he, what if he's the Wolfman in regards to like that, you know, kind of putting into this whole world that we're creating with these creatures and everything. We got Frankenstein's monster. Montrose is the Wolfman, just instead of Wolfman, he's the Shogun Man. Does that make Christina Dracula? Hey. Hmm. I mean, she uses she uses blood to sort of yeah. revitalize herself. She drives that car around like it's her own personal hearse, like you know, or uh, you know, coach. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, that's about it. That's all I got there. But uh, I mean, she seems like a vampire. I don't know. Yeah, they do. They do. And so, but yeah, it, it'd be interesting if it. I mean, it's just funny. Like when when Tick says that, like, what other secrets are you keeping from? And he kind of gives this sheepish look. Uh, yeah, he got a couple more secrets. Because how it the shocker just it appears at the perfect time. And like I say, it looks different than the ones we saw in, in the first one. Mm -hmm. And the way it comes, you know, to him and you know it it and it bows to him and allows him to touch it. And it's like they have it's like they share a moment. Like, if that comes to pass, I'm going to ask you by the the final episode of this podcast series if you've read the book secretly and you're screaming all this like, like because you you already called the Christina William thing and I'm like okay I'll give him that I one but if you're right about this one too I I call foul sir I, no you you're I, totally, I have, you've, no. you've totally read the book no I have I have not I have not I, I'm I'm going through this just like you guys are and. I plan on reading the book after the season, but I have not read the book. I do not know anything of the book outside of what we're seeing of the show. But I'm wondering, like, I, and I might be completely wrong about this. I, I know nothing about the book and, like, what it covers. I don't know how faithful this series is. But I, I it, to me, it plays almost like an Easter egg for fans of the book, just the way it's presented in this show. When Tick is talking about the differences between mm. real life and what's in the book and he's like well d is a young man named horace and you know this is different and this is different and i'm like i wonder if that's the case in the actual novel like i would love for that to be the case 
Okay. So. I'm a nerd. It, that's where that comes from. So. so. <laughs> so <laughs> question for you guys. Um, again, this is like another episode that so much has happened, and I know that we can't cover everything. Um, but there is there like a favorite scene that you know uh, you really enjoyed, or a scene that stuck out for you? Uh, anything dealing with uh, Hops and Tops, um, they 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 pretty much yeah they, they left a lasting impression on me in this episode. Yes. Did we even mention the Nightmare on Elm Street nod? That's not my favorite <laughs> moment, but. We have it, but yeah, there's definitely, yeah, that's that's definitely there. Like, I don't know, one, two, Topsy's coming for you. Like, it totally, you know, it's just, it's, <laughs> ooh. Mm-hmm. Like that, is, that is such a, I, I love that that moment is in there. Um, yeah, for me, I I love the entire episode. I really did. Like I said, I, the Gia reveal was a little undercooked for me, but the rest of it I thought was just, like I said, it, it might be my favorite episode. My my, it's weird to call this my favorite moment. Let's say it's the most powerful moment for me or the one that stuck out the most in a weird way, just because it felt honest. Um, and I don't want to, I don't want to focus on this too much. I don't want to bring the episode down. I don't want to get maudlin here. I have a drinking podcast where I do that, but <laughs> the moment where D leaves the visitation, uh, for, uh, Emmett Till and mm-hmm. she's walking the streets and like you can tell she's devastated she's grief stricken like she's obviously that's weighing on her a great deal that was her best friend yeah and she sees two girls down the block laughing mm-hmm. and it offends her and she kind of starts to let it go and then they laugh again and she picks up a rock and hurls it at them and starts yelling at them basically mm-hmm. that hit me so i said so i when <laughs> when i was about her age i lost my best friend and uh stupid uh gun accident it was he was screwing around with the 410 and his brother came in and there was it was a whole thing anyway he died um sorry yeah but like i said i don't want to uh, bring us down here but at his funeral like he he was my best friend we both piled around with like another guy like we were we were all like three you know sort of like best friends like a circle as it were and so you know we're there and we're kind of dealing with this and you know we we do the walk up and the visit and everything well at a certain point, I kind of like there's like a, a little side room for uh, that they put together, I guess, for kids where they have like, I don't know, like board games and puzzles and basically anything to keep the kids out of the main room if they don't want to be there and to keep them occupied. And I step in and there are probably a good dozen, dozen and a half of, uh, you know, my my classmates from school who I know were not close with him at all. Mm-hmm. So. And they're there, and they're kind of screwing around with the toys. And they're not like young kids. We're talking like 9 or 10. Mm-hmm. And talking and laughing and giggling. And I that went through me in such a way. And I sort of had that same sort of rage. And I'd forgotten about that moment until the moment in this episode where Dee picks up a rock and hurls it at them and screams at them, which I did not do that. But weirdly enough, all these – my God, nearly 30 years later, that was a weirdly cathartic moment for me to see her be, be able to rage at somebody for being able to laugh, you know, under under the pall of that sort of like, you know, tragedy and grief, you know, and to just hurl <laughs> insults and rocks at them in a way that, you know, I couldn't when I was a kid, even though I was feeling the same thing. It just there's something about that moment that struck me as being 
really, really honest and really sort of finely observed. You know, that moment plot wise doesn't add anything, even character wise. You know, it doesn't add much in the way of, you know, if that scene weren't there, we would still understand that she's grieving and she's grief stricken. But right. I love that they took what 20 30 seconds to add that moment in because it felt real to me yeah no definitely that that was a very powerful scene um yeah i remember that scene um for me i there were a couple of scenes but i really like uh the scene that kind of happens right after uh the scene you were talking about jinx um when Diana, she gets cursed, you know, um, you know, uh, Lancaster, he kind of traps her in an alleyway, pretty much spits on her forehead. And we see like maggots on the floor. And um, it, it, it was just so gross, like just gross and uncomfortable. And, you know, it, it was also powerful and sad because then we even hear her, you know, saying, I can't breathe. And we've heard that you know and um luckily they they let her go but you know as as they you know as she's falling to the ground we see a cream of wheat sign um and you know it was a very ignorant sign you know at first i was i just thought it was just like a, a you know just just a sign for for cream of wheat and stuff and i kind of like you know read it and looked looked into it and stuff and just very ignorant. But yeah, I, I just really got goosebumps from that scene. And then, of course, you know, Topsy and, and, and Bopsy, that's, it is very much, you know, kind of like a, a nightmare on Elm Street, you know, um, because we can see like the, the references, like we see um, like their long nails and, you know, when it, when it starts growing. And not only that, but um, I kind of like this scene where it kind of felt like a dream um, when we were seeing what, like, whenever we would see like the, the, these two demon girls dance, you know, it, it looks playful. It looks, it looks kind of playful until you really just start actually like looking at their faces and, and the movement. And then there's even like a song, you know, like it's, I don't know. It just it just left me very uncomfortable, but in a good way, you know. And um, I noticed that on on Twitter because I did check it like um, this morning. A lot of people were just going in and you know giving praise to J.J. Abrams, giving praise to Jordan Peele, and you know of course they are a part of this project as well. But you know I, I really hope that people you know they do praise Misha Green as well. Um, just because I know that she's like the showrunner for this and not saying like, just only give her the praise and no one else. No, I mean, it's, 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 you know, they're, they're a team, it's teamwork, but I really do feel like she's doing a great job in each episode. I feel like we all have so much to say. There's so much we want to go over, you know, even just the fact that we can just have like, if we weren't, you know, stripped on time, I know that we, we could just have like a full two, three hour plus conversation on certain episodes, on episodes in general. Agreed. Um, and also, too. I mean, I'm not going anywhere. So, yeah. you know, if y'all want to make this, like, let's let's commit. Let's let's try and hit three hours tonight. I'm wondering <laughs> if we should 
you know, at, at the wrap up of the show, if we should even take some time to, um, you know, have like a, you know, maybe perhaps like a lengthier conversation about the series overall. Or maybe even the following week, we could do like a recap of it all where we just go in and like really just talk about it, dissect it. I think that 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 could be great. Yeah, Yeah, I'd be all for it. Also, too, you know, um, she, Misha Green actually directed this. Oh, man, that's so awesome. Okay, well, is there anything else you guys wanted to say? Oh, I'm sorry. I just asked a question, and I I actually have something I want to say. Okay. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us now. Okay. Okay. Don't no. Wait a second. <laughs> I, just I, can't kinda, <laughs> I just kind of wanted to talk about you know Diana when she was just fed up. Okay. She's <laughs> been running around town. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're going. Oh. My. She was running around town, getting chased by demon girls, you mm-hmm. know, dancing demon girls. That's terrifying. It's hot. She's sweaty, you know, and she decides to follow Lancaster. And, you know, when she goes into his office, she pretty much tells him off, spits on his tie. And, <laughs> tells him and it's just like, oh, my God, it was funny. But then it's just, like, OK. I bet it does smell in there, but not only because of the the body that was in the closet, but also, I don't know if you guys remember, there was a certain scene when he was changing his shirt, and um, you could see, like, he had, like, there's, like, stitches below his neck, and his body's completely, like, a completely different color. Yeah, so it's just kind of like, you know, when she said it stinks in there, I... I love the little the little touch of like all the flowers around the room, presumably to kind of mask the smell, you know. Man. <laughs> I love, she she spits on his tie. She says, like, okay, so at first she snaps at him, yeah, I know what an order he is. Then she looks at the other guy, she's like, and it's Hippolyta, it's Greek. You know, like she spits on his tie, says, fuck you, pig. You know, <laughs> she says it stinks in here. I, when, at that point, I didn't want her to stop. Like, Just keep I, going. I, I, yeah, exa- I wanted her to knock over, like, his hat stand, kick his cat, burn the building down. Like, at that point, why stop? Right? I was hoping that she would have kicked over a table and then slammed the door. <laughs> but, yeah, that's 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 the, uh, the only thing that I wanted to just bring up because we didn't get a chance to talk about that. No, she was I, – I love that they – you know, it wasn't a one-shot episode in the way that, you know, the Gia or uh, Hippolyte episodes were, but I love that they finally kind of gave her the spotlight for a bit, and she she killed it. She was fantastic. Definitely. Okay. All right. So I guess you guys don't have anything else? I mean, I'm looking forward to next week's episode. So the title of the episode, Rewind 1921*. Mm. Oh, that's interesting. That is. We might get to find out who uh, the mysterious man with the baseball bat was. I got this kid. (laughs) I want guys with baseball bats. I want like bionic arms. I want the Terminator. Uh, Just, just give me every time travel trope. Maybe throw a TARDIS in there. Just, just ring out this season right. And then the last episode is called Full Circle, so 
Oh, it's just seriously so sad when it's about to be over, but, you know, things must come to an end. Yeah. Have they, has there been a renewal yet, or have they even said if this is meant to be kind of a one-off adaptation of the book, or is there an intent to continue on, do you think? I'm not too sure. Yeah, I haven't heard anything. Because it was kind of, I mean, AMC did this sort of thing with uh, Nosferatu, I think, where they had two seasons and they were thinking about doing a third, which would have moved beyond the, the events of the novel. I, I think it took two seasons to adapt that that doorstop of a book that is Nosferatu. But uh, and then they ultimately wound up canceling the show. But it's like, well, you know, unfortunately, they didn't run out of story because it's still one complete tale that adapted the book. And I'm. I'm wondering if that'll be the case with Lovecraft Country, if they're just planning on doing the the adaptation of the book or if they're hoping that they can uh, kind of sequelize it with uh, with more seasons. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as of right now, I'm not too sure how I'll feel about that. You know, I, I think that I'll have to see how this season ends. Um, maybe we'll need another season. Maybe it's just like, you know what, this is fine. This is this is it for me, you know? Yeah, I mean, look, look what they did with Watchmen. You know, people still want more of that, but at the same time, they feel that they ended it on a um, bookie. You know, this is it. So, that's such a such a weird place that, that show left me in, where I would watch a second season in a heartbeat, but I also don't want them to do anymore because it's so perfect as is. I don't want them to risk messing it up. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just, I just want more Jeremy Irons, you know, you know, <laughs> just going over his, on his rant, rants or whatnot. How dare you, sir, talk to me like this, you know? <laughs> but okay, so uh, just so you guys know, <laughs> Lovecraft uh, Country airs every Sunday on HBO, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And if you haven't, you know, listened to our discussion on episode seven, please do. So now we're going to share our social medias, starting with you, Jay. Where can our audience find you? Uh, besides all of the TV zone, of course, you can find me on the Twitter at the Jay Giles, which is my personal account, or my movie page, Jay Movie Talk. Okay, and what about you, Jinx? Uh, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, it's at Jinx1981. Uh, you can find my podcast, Scream Addicts, at ScreamAddicts.com. Also have a Twitter account that is at Scream Addicts. Oh, and you can find my writing on Bloody Disgusting, where I have a uh, a column called Phantom Limbs. Yes. Are you forgetting anything? I don't think I am. <laughs> I don't, you know what? Oh, my God. I'm so sorry. You're right. I've forgotten something. We nearly got through episode eight without pointing out that we only have two episodes left <laughs> for Xena to fulfill her promise to say Letitia Lewis's full name. Maybe not her Christian name, but her full name. Certainly. Wait, Actually, she would have it. What about your Instagram? <laughs> I, I just... I. I feel like I will give my Instagram when you fulfill your promise. No worries. I'll give it for you. He is on Instagram, guys. <laughs> be sure to follow him. His latest is a squirrel. It will be. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I've angered Zena. She had, she had to point out the squirrel. 
That was, that was yeah. a jab. That was. No, I understand. You know, Instagram is where you can find the full line. I'm gonna I'm gonna find a screen cap with subtitles of what Leticia's name is, and that way it's just kind of like a it's a reminder, it's a refresher for what uh, Zena has yet to say. But I promise you, wouldn't. That's fine. And you guys can find me on Twitter, lovely Zena, and I'm on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, Real Queen of Fora. This world. You guys are listening. <laughs> Special thing, Jay. Peace out.